Let's open the Word of God together. How can I best introduce this? We're going to start with a little grammar, a little grammar. And then we're going to move to important doctrinal teaching from the Word of God. And then we're going to end with an inspirational appeal from scriptures to all of us. So grammar, sound doctrine, and then an appeal. Scripture has a lot of different parts to it, doesn't it? Well, our verse for today is, let me read a passage from 1 Corinthians um, uh, 15. It's a little uh, long, but stay with me. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood, human bodies, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't go to heaven with the bodies that we now have. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Our bodies are perishable. We're going into, uh, after time ends and eternity begins, we're going into uh, a place that is imperishable and thus we need correspondence. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That means be dead. Sleep the sleep of death. But we will all be changed. We will all be changed. In a flash. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable, human again, must clothe itself with the imperishable something fit for heaven and eternity. And the mortal, bodies that can die, with the immortal, with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It's the sting of... Death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, the very law of God. Because it shows us where we're violating. And so it then reminds our conscience and our hearts we're violating God's word. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the verse. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, let's start with that grammar lesson. The last verse I gave you, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, began with therefore. And if you remember in your English class, if you weren't fooling around and not paying attention, which I was. Every time you see a therefore, your logic and your understanding of grammar makes you say, wherefore? Why? In other words, when someone is writing and says, therefore, it means something has come before that has made a case of truth so that the person can then say, therefore. For example, 
There's a lot of traffic on that street, you know, Queens Boulevard in Queens, one of the most famous uh, uh, streets in New York City uh, for fatalities. Not so much traffic accidents, but people crossing the street. A lot of traffic on Queens Boulevard. They're moving very quickly because the streets are long. There's been a lot of fatalities over the last 20, 25 years. Therefore, because of that, cross at the green, not in between, and be careful. Wherefore, because of all the facts that have been laid out, therefore, so, this follows. So this, therefore, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, is one of the biggest therefores in the Bible. So we must ask one of the big wherefores. What, what's the point? Why, why, why is this final verse of that very long chapter, 58 verses, why is it so important? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 is all about God's teaching, God's truth about resurrection. Resurrection. Paul says at the very beginning of that, look, I want to remind you about the gospel that I brought to you. Paul had been in Corinth, a city in Greece, for 18 months on his second missionary journey. And he had founded the church there. And he's reminding them of the gospel, the good news about Jesus that brings salvation, forgiveness of sin, and escape of eternal punishment for our sins, which God had laid down already in Scripture, how serious sin was. So he says... You remember that my gospel came to you and it had two main components. That in the first chapter, verses 1 through 8, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. In other words, Christ died on the cross, but if you were watching carefully in the Old Testament, that was what Messiah was to do. Not riding on a white horse triumphantly, knocking the, the Romans down but giving his life to settle the real question about life, which is what are we going to do about sin? Governments come and go, empires, presidents, parties, all these things. But then what happens when we usher in eternity? Well, to secure our well-being, to be with him forever, Christ died for our sins, as predicted in the Scriptures. Isaiah 53, and other places. But secondly, the gospel message, essentially, included he was buried and resurrected and rose from the dead on the third day, according to the Scripture. <clears throat> the Scripture in the Psalms and other places spoke about the Messiah, the Savior coming, and said the grave will not be able to hold him. He will be... <clears throat> the Son of God who will conquer death and rise up from the dead after paying the penalty for our sins, proving he wasn't just an ordinary guy. If he died on the cross and stayed in the tomb, 
obviously he's not special. We all going to die and stay in, in the grave then. You could look at it that way. No, no, no. He brought something else to light. Eternal life. Resurrection. So, after he rose from the dead, he appeared to Peter. Really to women first. Then to the twelve. Then to more than 500 people on a road. Saw him. Then James, his half-brother. Then the apostles. Then Paul. So, What's laid down about our Savior is, number one, he died for our sins. Number two, the grave could not hold him. <clears throat> he had satisfied the justice of God, paid the price, and then to prove that he was Messiah and to give us a foretaste of what's waiting for us, he was raised from the dead on the third day. That's our Savior. No one else cl even close to him in the history of this earth. Now, Paul then jumps as we move toward this therefore, we're asking wherefore, some teaching had started in Corinth that there is no resurrection from the dead. Hey, listen, dude, you live, you die. And once you die, it's finito, it's over. No mas. There's no resurrection. This teaching must have been affecting the church there. So Paul says, how is it that some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? And then he makes a logical argument in verses 12 through 19. He says this, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ didn't rise from the dead. If people say there's nothing left after you die, then Christ is still in the tomb. Then Christ didn't raise from the dead. He's the proof there's life after death. There's resurrection. He says, number two, if there's no resurrection, like these people are trying to persuade you to believe, then all of us apostles are liars. Because we preached to you, he rose from the dead. Listen, Paul said, I saw him last of all, like a person born out of season, abnormally born. He wasn't one of the original 12. All those men, 500 men, who at the time of the writing, some were, many were still living, they saw him. Peter saw him. James, his half-brother, saw him. And as I've mentioned before, that's why they risked their life, because they saw him alive. If they hadn't seen him alive, why would you get yourself persecuted and beat up and chased and slandered for a lie? All you'd have to say is, all right, time out, time out, time out, time out. Slow down, guys. I never saw him. He didn't raise from the dead. We made up this story that he, raised from the, he was raised from the dead. Well, why'd you make it up? You're not earning money from it. You're not getting ahead in life. You're getting fought by everybody. The reason they did it was they saw him. They weren't lying. On top of that, Paul says, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then you're still in your sins. He was just a regular guy. He couldn't die for your sins. Your faith is in vain. He really brings out the point 
Your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, he says, of all people in the world, we're the most to be pitied. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, if there's no life after death, of all the people that you should feel bad for is Christians. They're getting persecuted for nada, for nada, for nothing. If he wasn't raised from the dead. We, we, we ask God to keep us on the straight and narrow. We deny ourselves. We ask the Lord every day to keep us from sin. We, we don't make self the center of our lives. We make Christ. For what? He's saying, if, look, he sums it up best a few verses later when he says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Just satisfy your appetites. Make self your center. Do whatever you feel like doing because it doesn't matter. Get over. Hopefully don't break laws where you can get caught. But if you're in a society where the laws are lax or there are no laws, read history. Dog eat dog. You get over. You do whatever you feel like doing because there is no, there's no consequences. What does it matter if you live 30 years, 70 years? Get what you can get while the getting's good because it doesn't matter. If you hear a little voice in your conscience, forget about it. Forget about it. There's nothing to it. We're like animals. We're like bumblebees. They live, they die. We're like lions. They live, they attack, they hunt, then they die. So Paul is saying, no, you can't believe that foolish teaching that there's no resurrection. So he then says, remember, Christ is the counterpart of Adam. Adam is the first man. Jesus is this last Adam. They both are progenitors of two different races of people. People who are Adam in Adam are human beings like all of us. We all start with Adam. And that is associated with death because sin came in the world through Adam and Eve and their descendants. So Adam stands for death, burial. Jesus is the last Adam, another race of people. Those who put their trust in him, they're going to experience resurrection life, not death from sin, but forgiveness and pardon and now life. So there's two races. Every one of us are in the first one. Not everyone is part of the second. So he's making this argument to get to that wherefore. And he tells us now as we get toward the end, what I read to you, that resurrection and the eternal state in heaven is going to demand, does demand, change. He's telling them, reviewing with them, the bodies we now are familiar with, which is the only body we have, we know about. Oh God, open my heart and my mouth to speak better now and for all of us to have faith 
to perceive what you're saying in Scripture. Because now we're going to talk about things none of us have experienced. And yet they're more real than this stand that I'm tapping. So he's saying here, as you go on in that chapter, there has to be change. And we will all be changed to fit us for heaven, the eternal state. These bodies, oh my goodness, you just live 50, 60, 70 years and you're like, whoa. So these bodies are obviously not going to make it through billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. Oh yeah, and the more and more billions of years. They break down. These are mortal. We need an immortal body to go with our immortal soul now and eternal life. We can't have that which is perishable. We need something that is imperishable. Ah, it's exactly going to be like the body that Christ had when he rose from the dead. Very strange. We don't know everything about it. But he could eat with the disciples, but he could go through doors. It was his resurrection spiritual body. Notice he was recognizable, had the nail prints in his hands, but it wasn't just flesh and blood because the Bible says here, flesh and blood, human bodies, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's the mystery. We won't all die. Some will be living when Christ returns, but we will all be changed. And the teaching of Scripture, which you need to remember and hold on to every day, mixed with 1 Thessalonians teaching about this, is that when Christ returns, a couple of things are going to happen. Well, let's go back sooner than that. When a Christian dies, the Bible says to be absent from the body. That means me, my spirit, my soul. Death is separation. Physical death is the separation of my soul from my body. It's called muerte, death. The second death, eternal punishment, is to be separated your soul from God forever. From all light, all joy, all peace, separated forever. So when a Christian dies, his spirit goes to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, when Christ comes, he's bringing the spirits of those who have been with him, waiting for this moment, with him. And the dead in Christ, Paul says, those who have died, their bodies are in the earth. Somehow their bodies, a cell of it, an atom of it, are going to be transformed. And at that moment, they're going to be clothed. The spirits of those who have come with them are going to be clothed with their resurrection body. And we who are alive are going to be caught up into the air and be clothed with our resurrection bodies. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let's review. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Their bodies. Then their spirits, which have been with Christ, will be clothed. Then those who are living will be caught up 
glorious moment, caught up. Do you believe that, Pastor? Well, if you believe in the Bible, you not only believe it, you cherish it. This world is not our home. Oh, thank you for that. You want to live in this world? You want to live in this country forever? I mean, really. No, we're going to a place where every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every color are gathered around the throne, worshiping God forever and enjoying an eternal bliss that we can't even get a one millionth of one percent in our, in our brains. That's why we need revelation from God to understand this. We're all going to be changed. Those who died before and those who are living. We're all going to be changed in a moment and go to be with the Lord forever. And then Paul says, this is going to fulfill that verse. And this is like, you know, uh, I don't want to say trash talking. That's too rough a term. But it's going to be like, this will fulfill conquering the last enemy. What's the last enemy? Death. That's what affects everyone. Because of sin in the world and our own mistakes, death looming over humanity, you're not allowed to talk in polite circles about death, even though everyone's going to die. No, I don't want to hear that. I'm, I'm going to live forever. I'm Botoxing everything. I'm Botoxing my ears. I'm going to stay young forever. I'm only eating kale and grapes for the rest of my life. Ah, but no matter what you eat, no matter how well you take care of yourself, we're all going to die. And see, that, that, that enemy, ooh, it hangs over everything. It's hung over the universe since sin, over the earth, since sin came into the world. And now Paul says, when that happens, he conquered death when he rose from the dead. But now, when the dead in Christ shall rise and we all go to be with him with immortality, clothed with immortal bodies, imperishable bodies, never going to get old, you're never going to get a bone spur. You're never going to have a limp. Then we'll be fulfilled. Death, you ain't all that. Where is your sting? Where is your victory? No, we are more than conquerors. We have victory over death through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He conquered death, and so we, we through him. Praise God. Forever. Let me read it from the scriptures again to you because it's so important. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Jesus forgave our sins and then through his power has ra raised us up to be with him. And now no more death, no more dying. See, that's, oh God, help us to understand that. There will be no end. Everything we know in life has an end. I'm taping this message. It will have an end. The guys, the precious men working with me here, helping me, they will have an end of the day. They'll end their work period here. They'll go home. Everything has an end, a beginning and an end. But when Christ comes and it's time for rewards and payback, no end. No end. We can't comprehend that. What do you mean no end? No end. 
When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, no less days to sing our praise than when we first begun. No end. No one's going to look at each other like, yo, we've been here like three billion years. Ooh, getting a little tired. I was looking at a, a, I went online, saw this little thing in Ponce, Puerto Rico, uh, Hilton. Mmm, get away. No, nothing like that. Per, perfect joy, perfect peace, no sin, no crying, no sorrow, no temptation, no Satan. Forever. And that reminds us that the reward of the Christian life is not here. Starting in the 60s, 70s with the prosperity nonsense and hyper-faith movement, you would think that to become a Christian, the payback is here. You'll drive a bigger car. Your best life now in your job and with your family, that's totally contrary to Scripture. Does he give us peace and joy now? Yes. Do we have sweet fellowship with him? Yes, but broken at best. We just get little drops of mercy. But then, then, forever? And if the payback is now, how about all the Christian martyrs? They died in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Didn't live out a whole lifetime. And yet sinners who curse God live till 92. No, no. Oh, pastor, symbol, don't give me that pie in the sky in the by and by. No, I'll take two. I'll take two pies. To go. Oh, that's good. To go. Yeah, I'll take that. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. No matter what sorrow, trials you go through here, Jesus is coming again. Heaven is waiting. That's our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're to keep looking toward heaven. No, that's escapism. No, it's reality of the spiritual life. So, therefore, given all of that other stuff that I just told you, all that truth, Therefore, be steadfast. That means all brothers and sisters. Be steadfast. In other words, be firm. Be firm. Get your, come on, get your roots down. Take your proper position. Like when you play defense in basketball, get, get firm, get strong. Don't be tilting over. You're not a leaning tower. Come on, be firm, he says. God is speaking to us. Be firm. Be steadfast, immovable. Hold your ground. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in serving Christ is not in vain. Don't quit. Don't rock and roll. Don't shake. Don't lose your footing. Eternity is a second away. Did you hear that? When we'll be changed when Christ comes in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen while I'm speaking. Oh, you're being melodramatic. No, I'm trying to just say what Scripture says. In a twinkling of an eye, in a, in a second, in a millisecond, then we'll go, what? I was living for what? What was I worried about? What? What was that again?
So he's saying, don't quit. Don't let there be an ebb tide on your enthusiasm and, and drift away from your fervency because there's a reward coming. The reward is not here on earth. We follow Christ. We, if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. If we face scorn, and listen, there's some scorning coming in America and attacks, I believe, on Christianity that we don't even have the faintest idea of how bad it could possibly be now. Hellish powers are being released against Christians, against the church, against right and wrong. There is no wrong. I decide what's wrong. And if you tell me there's a savior, then you're, you're, that's hate speech because you're saying I, I'm living wrong. I need a savior. That's hateful, judgmental. But the scripture tells us, listen, there's a reward coming. Uh, Daniel 12, 3, soul winners will shine like stars forever. Are you trying to win people to the Lord? Are you talking to people, praying for people? I've been hearing some wonderful reports of people finding the Lord during the pandemic. During the pandemic. Keep witnessing because those who win souls, will they be acknowledged on earth? Uh, we interrupt this program to tell you about the awards we're giving to Bobby and his wife, Lily. They led two people last night to know the earth, the world, the culture here. It's so cheap and carnal. They're not going to acknowledge soul winning, but Christ does. They'll shine like stars. Shine like stars. But he goes further in Matthew 10, serving, helping, no matter how small, you will have a reward, even if you give a glass of cold water. Come on, we can't do something today in the name of Christ with our eyes on eternity. He's saying even if you give a glass of cold water, you're not going to lose your reward. The Lord's watching everything. There's no, there's no works that are not going to be acknowledged by him. He warned us not to be like Pharisees and the Religious leaders of his day, they only did things in public so they could look good. They didn't pray in private. They prayed like on the street. They blew a horn. Uh, Saul, blow the horn, will you please? All right, then everyone would look and they would pray. So to be seen and give to be seen. Said, no, do it in secret. A glass of water, you're not going to lose your reward. Imagine the joy, the rejoicing. I was thinking of it the other day. Uh, a precious couple in our church uh, happened to uh, come here to Florida and they surprised us, especially my wife, by uh, coming over and then we went and had dinner together. I was so happy to see them, I almost cried. Because just this pandemic has done a number. Imagine heaven, your mama, your grandmother, my mama, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, the apostles, famous Christians. We're going to be, it's reunion time forever. No breaking up again. You know that old song, breaking up is hard to do? There'll be no breaking up. Together forever. Oh, joy, peace. Finding out each other's stories. Glorifying Christ. 
even if you give a glass of water in my name. Keep loving. Luke 6, 35. Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Don't give in to the hate and the anger. Don't do it. Because if you bless your enemies and you pray for those who are against you, you will, your reward will be great. Not here. People are going to think you're chumps. They're going to think you sold out. You're not part of their, 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 their crusade. No, I'm not part of any crusade that has hate and anger in it. No, no, no. Not right or left, black or white or Latin. Nothing that has hate and anger in it is going to get in our hearts. Why? We don't want to lose our reward. Keep loving. That's a hard one, but God will help us. Keep loving because our eyes on something else than this silly earth, which lasts for how much longer? And finally, endure insults, persecution, slanderous nastiness. If you do it, your reward will be great. Men are going to do all kinds of nasty things. You'll be hated for my name's sake, but endure, and your reward will be great. They're going to mock you, make fun of you, attack you. He knew it was all coming. How would he know that, 2000? If he was the son of a carpenter and never had a lot of money, how would he know that for his name's sake, his followers would suffer hate and persecution? How would he know that if he wasn't the son of God? I mean, really, come on. You that doubt. He said this 2,000 years ago. For my name's sake, you'll be hated and persecuted and all that. And what's happened through history? But in the end, everything we believe in will prove to be true. And all the false idols and the things people leaned on, whoo, gone in a millisecond. Praise God that we're Christians. So, I want to plead with you. Be firm, steadfast, immovable. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, don't quit. Keep witnessing, praying, reading, talking, loving, turning the other cheek. I know, but he's so obnoxious. If the obnoxiousness is going to get worse. No final justice in this world. But God, he's going to settle all the books, isn't he? Father God, I thank you that we belong to you. Open our eyes, the eyes of faith, our spiritual eyes, that we might live for something more than the two by four of earthly life. We live in this little box, but we don't have to live in that box. We can be in the box, but we know we're leaving the box. Something's waiting for us. We will all be changed. Immor immortality is our destiny. We will be living in imperishable bodies one day with you. That's the main thing. We will be with you. Lord, I want to be with you. We want to be with you. So help us through 
the journey, the fight, the battle. Keep our eyes focused on you. Help us to remember, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, it's pitiful. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. But no, that's not us. We're going to keep on loving, praying, serving, living pure lives by your grace in a polluted world because we know Jesus is coming again. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.